Hello, everybody. This is Coach V here. Hey, everyone. I'm Coach David. And this is the Kaizen Karate Podcast. We are recording at the start of February 2021. We are somewhere in the COVID-19 pandemic. I, I certainly hope it's not the beginning. Hopefully, uh, it's closer to the end. What are your thoughts? Boy, I sure hope so. Every week, it seems like something else is coming into the news, coming out of the news. I don't know what to say other than, boy, I sure hope we're, we're getting closer to the end. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I think there's some positive things brewing here, some positive things, you know, that are happening. But, um, you know, parents, we keep this kid friendly. So we'll say that better days are ahead. Yes. Uh, with, with that being said, you know, today's topic, we're going to talk about some of uh, my biggest failures, some of Coach David's biggest failures, really our biggest challenges uh, and how we've overcome them. Now, you know, we have our Kaizen Nation, you know, our, our Kaizen students and followers who are, who are listening in, uh, we're located in the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, if you're listening from outside or maybe outside the U.S. from another country, welcome. We're so happy you're here. Uh, don't forget to like and share the podcast. Please, please, please uh, leave us a review. We really appreciate that. Five stars is always preferred. Uh, and if you have anyone that you think would benefit from this podcast, please share it with them. Uh, so without any further ado, uh, let's jump into it. So as a bonus, we're going to talk about belt promotions really quick. Coach David, one of my kickoff questions to you is, we talk a lot about teaching to the test. And one of the feedbacks I've got, not from instructors, but actually from students and parents is, wow, it seems like every class is kind of like belt test review. I mean, is that normal? Well, certainly not in our classes. Um, you know, karate is so much more than just checking boxes off on a list that's on a test. It really is. You, you can teach someone elements of karate, like how to kick, how to punch, but being able to perform them in a dynamic, effective manner, whether it be point sparring or continuous sparring, one-on-one um, -on -one kind of dynamic drills, self-defense maneuvers, that requires a lot more than just testing. So if you're simply teaching a test or you're a student and you're simply learning how to take a test, you're missing like the big picture. You are gonna come out of there with some skill but not what you want to be, to be a true martial artist. What, yeah. what are your thoughts? I mean, that, that's right. And, you know, I think we're living in this time of virtual training right now. I think there's a few places around the U.S. where people are training in person. It's very limited. It's smaller class sizes. They're wearing masks. If anyone's doing it other, you know, in a different way other than that, I mean, that's your choice. I mean, for us, we're 100% virtual right now. There's zero official programs that we offer uh, that are done in person. And we do that just for the safety of our students. With that being said, we are absolutely preparing and making plans for in-person training. You know, we do expect to be hybrid at some point where we're going to be virtual and in-person. Coach David, I bring this up because, you know, I, I get the whole idea of teaching to the test. Here is the thing you need to fix. Here's the comments Coach V gave you, and this is what you need to fix. That's maybe 5% of your class, right? That's maybe 5% of your training. So boys and girls, adults, if you're training you really want 80 to 90% or more of your training to be about drills. Even if it's virtual, right? There's still a ton we can do. We can do bag work. We can do technique work, movement drills, stances, kata work. Um, there's a ton you can do. But if you're spending 80 to 90% of your time figuring out how to pass a test, you're doing this for absolutely the wrong reasons. Uh, instructors, my recommendation to you, whether it's you know within our school or outside of our school, I think we're doing the wrong thing if we're teaching students how to pass tests, 
right? I mean, there should definitely be conversation of test taking because I think students need something to look forward to now. I think it's a motivational aspect. And I was talking to one of our Brown Belt uh, students in our class, he's a Brown Stripe action. He was saying he really is excited about promotions. He's really excited about that because it gives him something to look forward to. So I get that, right? So that's on one side. But on the other side, you want to make sure that you're drilling. You want to make sure that you're, you know, doing movement drills, critical distance drills, footwork drills. There's a billion and one things you can do. Uh, and if you and if you're not familiar with what to do, talk to whoever's, you know, uh, in charge of curriculum at the school or whoever's, you know, the, the head of the school, and and see if there's a way to enhance what you're currently doing. Any, what do, what do you think about that? That's, uh, I mean, 100 true. Um, I think I'm trying to look at it like there are elements to anything which are go for, for both things. For example, one of our requirements now is pad striking, bag striking, right? We added that, I don't know how long ago, a while ago, because it made sense, right? We can't hit each other. We need to see you hitting something. Well, teaching the student what we expect when they're testing, like where you're going to stand, when do you hit the bag? When do you not hit the bag? You know, those things need to be taught. But how are you generating the power? What's your balance like? How are you actually striking the pad? Those are things that aren't test taking, but important to actual karate. Like if you're going to hit something, I sure want to be able to hit it with power and also with control, right? Those things are not things you teach on tests. Those are things that you teach as a part of drills, as a part of classwork. So to me, that those are as more important, if not, you know, anything else we do. Yeah, you know, we're, we're kicking off the episode. I know we're going to talk about biggest failures and biggest challenges overcome, but I mean, here's how they relate. If you're strictly focusing on belt promotions and earning a new belt, that's going to lead to stalling and stagnating and plateauing. Because yes, you'll know what the answers are to the test, but it doesn't really mean that you know what you're doing, right? You know how to pass a test. I'm going to give you an example. I've had students, Coach David, who've been testing with me. And instead of calling it a moon kick, I call it back leg reverse moon kick or I'll do the test out of order, everyone's thrown off. They don't know how to do it because they memorized going in order. This is how you do it. So I'll give you an example. And you know, we're presenting the problem. I'll give you the solution. The solution is you take a section or you take a couple techniques and you just drill, drill, drill. The other night, Wednesday night this past week, um, we had a really good adult class. And here's what we did. We took the orange and yellow belt curriculum and we just drilled it, put it into combinations, did pad striking, hit the, you know, hit, you know, punched and kicked in the air. Um, for the yellow belt techniques, which I don't have in front of me, I think we did like down block, ridge hand, wrap, hammer fist. And for the advanced students, we followed up with a sidekick. And then for the advanced, advanced students, we stepped off almost like a cover out at a 45 degree angle, step back in with that sidekick. So I say this because we took all these techniques, which we usually practice as singles, just putting it into a combo, it was almost like light bulbs were going off. Hmm. It was almost like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, you can. And then we had one of our black belts in class on Wednesday. And uh, the two of us, what we did was we did a split screen. Zoom is pretty cool where you can spotlight people now. So myself and the black belt, what we did was we, I threw the technique, they reacted. And even though we weren't in the same room, the, you know, the students, they were like, oh, that's your target. That's what you're trying to hit. So instructors out there, maybe you're not even part of our group. Maybe you're listening from, from elsewhere. Try that, right? Go on Zoom, 
Spotlight. Spotlight means that it doesn't have to be you talking. It could be someone else within the class. And Zoom recently updated where you can do multiple spotlights. Uh, so I really like Coach David, you and I have done that in class time. And that really, um, I, I think what it does is that it, it gives new perspective to students on, on, what, is, um, on what is possible. Um, any, any feedback on that? Any, any it's just fantastic. I, I, you know, we've had a lot of success with it. I, I'm hoping the teachers are willing to play around with these things because, I mean, the tools given are what we have to work with now. Might as well maximize them, right? Make the best use of it. And uh, that's just great. Yeah. And, you know, if you're a student and you're wondering, like, you know, what can I do? Like, how can I move forward? Well, this might be a good way to, uh, to kind of move forward. So let, let's start talking about some of our failures and challenges. So, you know, I'll, I'll kick us off. You know, one of the things that just comes to mind, and I've said this before, but I don't know if I've ever really gone into specifics. You know, when I was a little boy, I started karate when I was five. And it was not easy for me. You know, I started training at the, uh, the local rec center, community center, and my instructor was, that was one of his locations where he taught. And one of his red belts at the time, red belt in, in our system was right prior to black belt. Uh, she was the teacher for the class. And I remember just going there religiously. You know, my mom just wouldn't let me miss. You know, I just went every single week. And Coach David, one of my first, first memories was we were doing some uh, basic jujitsu grabs, stand-up grabs, wrist grabs, you know, that kind of thing. So the instructor, uh, her name was Joanna. She said, um, you know, she was demonstrating the wrist grabs and, you know, the pullback and all this. And, you know, we didn't really have much Aikido influence and in anything. It was just pretty static, very basic, you know, five, six years old, you know, you're doing some basics. She made it very clear. She said, don't pull your fist back towards your face. Now, those of you who maybe are not you know, into grabs or you haven't done that, you don't want to have self-inflicted injuries, right? So as a five or six-year-old, whatever age I was at the time, you know, of course I said, sure, no, no problem. So imagine making a, a bicep pose where you pull your fist towards your face. That's kind of the range of motion that we were doing. And you know what happened? I pulled it right at my face as I broke out. I successfully broke out, but I knocked myself out, fell right on my back. Luckily we had head guards on. By the way, that's why I always make the students wear head guards. Um, cause you, it's not really because you're protecting yourself against the other person is that if you fall or you have self-inflicted injury, you're going to be okay. You know, they revived me. I was okay. You know, I didn't, I didn't go unconscious or anything, but it was really upsetting. And I say that because that was like every partner drill that I had, I was always getting hit. I was slow. I was out of shape. I was not really athletic. And I looked around the class, you know, and, and I'm not kidding you when I say this, if you had a hundred students lined up. There's no question in my head, and I've seen pictures of this, I probably would have been the last person you would have chosen who would have been a black belt. And I'll tell you what really changed my mind was I would see the upper belts and I would always stay for the next class. And I always viewed it as, you know, man, if one day I can do that, but I created a vision for myself. And it wasn't like, I must create a vision, therefore I will stay for the next class. That was not the goal. You know, my mom would let me stay for the next class to watch. So I always knew what was coming. I always knew what to expect. Uh, you know, I'd always watch the upper belts. And one day I remember when the first time I met my, you know, the head, head, head of the school when he came by, I mean, my jaw dropped. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, if I could ever be like that. You know, and I don't know, as a kid, I say this to you is because um, I think seeing what's possible to me, Coach David, that's how I overcame all of the misery of, you know, just... Uh, you know, being a white belt 
yellow belt. We didn't have orange belt back then. So we just went from white to yellow to green. And um, for me, I think the biggest failure was just, it was overcoming, overcoming the, the doubt in my head. I was scared all the time. I was constantly scared. I, it's not that anyone was hurting me, but I was pretty soft, you know, like I was, I was a, I was a child who was afraid of everything. I was out of shape. I was not athletic, but I think what overcame that it was just the consistency. It was continually showing up and making sure that I kept showing up no matter how I felt like it. And, and trust me, it's not me doing that. It was my mom who did that. So for parents out there, don't negotiate with the kids, right? This is one of those non-negotiables. And if your kid is, you know, let's say in high school or middle school or even elementary school and they fail a math test and they say, mom, I'm never going back to school. And let's say they're sixth grade. You don't say, yeah, you know what? You're right. Let's go ahead and quit school. You don't say that. The same thing in my mind is kind of true of karate. You know, you, 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 you sympathize, you know, with, you know, I feel where, what is it? Sympathize and empathize. You got to correct me, coach David, but you know, you feel where they're coming from. Right. But I'm not going to let them quit. That's fantastic. <clears> that could be a movie or a good uh, TV series at, at uh, worst, right? <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I'll say this, Coach David, is that, you know, for adults, I don't know if it's the same thing because I didn't start karate as an adult. I started as a kid, but I've seen so many adults that probably one of the biggest challenges I think they have is that they maybe haven't done that kind of an athletic team sport or physical activity in a while. Maybe they've worked in the gym, but a lot of the times when we get the adults coming in, maybe it's because they have kids in the kids class, most of the adults, right? And when they come in, that first time you actually get hit when you're sparring, that's, that's it, right? That's when you kind of make a decision. So my, my recommendation for everybody, because I'll tell you what happened to me when I hit myself, or when I got hit by someone else, I just kind of made a decision. Like, I'm just going to keep showing up. It's just part of it, right? I mean, you're, I mean, if you, it's like in football, if you end the game and your, your jersey is pristine and clean, it's either because you didn't play or you weren't <laughs> playing the game very well, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I, uh, I, I started as a, you know, a young adult. So that, that is my um, knowledge base, my, my experience. And I'll tell you, um, one of the challenges adults have, and I'm going to, you know, you just talked about a lot from a kid perspective and what it was like there. Adults, and I'm sure that most can relate to it, is time. It's the schedule and time. You, most adults who are, are coming have work. They have families. Like you just said, a lot of them are, have kids in the class. How do you get the time? How do you prioritize the time? What do you do so that you can actually stay and get good, right? Because we know you've got to invest time. And I certainly had that that issue when I first started. I was a, a you know I was out of school right out of college. I had a you know busy job. Um, I didn't have like kids to take care of yet or anything, but my 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 time was limited. But what I had to do, and and what I encourage everyone to do, is sit down and make a priority. Where is karate in your priority? Is it a high priority? Is it a middle priority? Is it a low priority? To me, it was a very high priority. So anytime I wasn't working, I was working towards karate, meaning I was taking class, I was working out, I was doing something to benefit that goal because it was my number one thing. But perhaps that's not you. Um, but making a priority and having that already decided will help you be able to schedule your time more efficiently. Maybe it means getting up a little early. Maybe it means staying up a little late. Maybe it means taking a lunchtime break just to, to, to train or practice or go over your moves, whatever it is, that is, can definitely be a challenge for most adults. And uh, it is for everyone I've known. And uh, for me, that was 
a key, being able to say, this is my priority and I'm going to serve that priority as my number one goal. Is it fair to say that the hardest part for you wasn't like, you know, kicking and punching and all that. It was just carving out that time. Is that exactly, that's exactly right. And I think a lot of our students that we see, that's what they say is, oh, man, I'd love to come to Tuesday night or Wednesday night or Thursday night class, but I work late, then I get home and I've got no time to change. 15 million valid reasons, but right, you still, I mean, that's how it works. You've got to make the time somehow. Do you remember when we started training together in Kempo? Uh, what was one of the first things that I said we have to do? We have to get the schedule. Right. I mean, we probably spent what, at least a week or so just going <laughs> back and forth, figuring out our calendars. And, you know, for those of you who are not sure what we're talking about, you know, we, we coach Dave and I trained what for years together in Kempo. And, um, you know, long story short is the number one reason I think people fail as adults is that they can't have that recurring appointment with themselves to dedicate that time. And it's not because of their fault. It's a lot of the times it's because they have so many things pulling at their time, you know, commit other commitments, family, uh, and all good reasons by mind you. Right. But I think a lot of what we did was, you know, I already knew that. And I, and, and that's why I said to coach David, so here's how the story goes. I'll give you the cliff notes. I said, coach David, I said, there's no point even talking about techniques and kicks and punches and training. And the number one thing we need to do is we need to figure out when we're meeting each week and not miss and I got to say, hats off to you. You were phenomenal, you know, in terms of making sure that we met and we always had a backup time, you know, in place and, and everything else to me was easy. Cause once you set your calendar, once you set your schedule to a recurring appointment with yourself, to me, that was already it. We already, we were already going to make you a black belt. That was not an issue. The, the hardest part to me was the scheduling. And to, to make the scheduling work, it had to be a very high priority, right? Because you know, life happens, changes the schedule, what happens, but without fail, we would zero in on another time and date. And over the years, we might have had, I don't know, seven, eight different dates, times and locations, mm -hmm. but we never stopped. We never failed to go, this is a priority. Let's make this work. Well, I think it's also because we, we knew in advance that the number one recipe for success as adults who are training and teaching is scheduling. You know, and if you don't schedule, everything else kind of falls apart, right? Everything else is easy, to be honest with you. It's, it's, not, it's not easy. It's simple. You just kick and you punch and you block and you keep doing it repetitively and you keep making incremental improvement. That's really the formula. But if you don't have a recurring time to work on that, yeah, one, one really good session doesn't get you there. It's a whole bunch of sessions back right. to back to back to back to back over years. That's what gets you there. So Coach Dave, I want to shift gears. I want to tell everyone about... Um, you know, my path to black belt. And I'm talking about from red belt. So red belt in the system that I trained in was belt, the belt right before black belt. And, um, you know, according to my calculations, I should have been a black belt like three or four years prior to the date that I actually got my black belt. I got my black belt when I was 16. And so I was a red belt right around 12 years of age. Now, you know, in my infinite wisdom as a 12 year old, you know, I was like, well, 13 years old, It'll be great. You know, I'll be a black belt because I already knew the kata. I knew all the moves. I knew all the techniques. Here's what I didn't know. Now, looking back, hindsight's 2020, right? Looking back, I couldn't beat everyone yet in a fight. Matter of fact, there were some people I couldn't even hang with in a fight. It was mainly the adults. They had just more body mass, more size, more power, all of that. I think the second thing, if you just look at the kata and you just look at the techniques, because I've seen video of it. I remember my dad videotaped me as a young brown belt. That was the most humbling thing I've ever seen. And if you're 
out there and you're curious, what do you need to do to get promoted? Don't ask your instructor. Don't. Before you even think about asking them, videotape yourself. Because almost everyone, when you get to advanced level, you already know what to do, right? You're just kind of like, you know, tapping your finger. Okay, when am I going to get promoted? What is, what's taking so long for this person to promote me, right? Well, let me tell you, here's, the, here's what you need to do. Videotape yourself. We all know how to do that these days. You know, back then it was a much bigger production to do that. And watch yourself. Whatever your testing process is for us, we have a testing script and all that, you know, for every single belt, right? For green belt and higher. Um, but whatever your process is, videotape yourself. And be brutally honest. Parents, if you're doing this with your child, don't give them feedback. Let them grade themselves. You'd be surprised. Because I remember when I saw myself as a young brown belt coach, David, not kidding you, I looked at the film and I was at a tournament and there was four people in the division. I was one of four. I finished last. It was 050505, the mercy rule, as we like to call it, uh, you know, was, was you know, mercy on me, you know, because mm -hmm. I was getting beat so bad. And I look back on that and I said, I couldn't recognize the person on the screen. In my mind, in my, however old I was at the time, I was like Bruce Lee. I was like, you know, flying through the air and doing all these cool techniques. But when I saw myself, it was like humble pie. It was absolutely humble pie. So coming back to the main point of what I was getting at, when I was a red belt, it took me about four years, four years, four and a half actually, technically to get to black belt. And I remember the amount of disappointment I would have, and I don't want to name their names because these are all good people, but there's two or three people that I can think of who got to black belt before me. And I was so upset. I'm talking like borderline tears. I'm sure there were some tears here and there at some point. And, you know, my therapy sessions, AKA my drive home with <laughs> my, you know, the therapy session was the drive home with my mom in the car. You know, during those therapy sessions, she was like this, you know, mental black belt, you know, jujitsu master, you know, in terms of like the way she dealt with me, she just always listened to me. Uh-huh. 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 Okay. Yeah. We'll just go back one more week and we'll just keep trying one more week. That was always her solution. Yeah. We'll just try one more week. And if you don't like it, we'll talk about it. And now by the time the next week came, I had already forgotten about it. Right. Or I was just willing to try it another week. And so we, we kind of, even the, like in my mindset, we were month to month. My mindset, there was no contract. My mindset, you know, yeah, I'm quitting next week. Her mindset, she already signed on for the 10-year plan. So it was a very, you know, parents out there, this was some, some really good psychology that she used. And, you know, I've, I've said this to you before, Coach David. She said, um, you know, as soon as you get to black belt, you can quit. I was like, really? Perfect. I can't wait to quit. You know, that was kind of like, I'll show you. That was my mindset. But the funny thing is when I finally got to black belt, I didn't want to quit because I was finally getting good. So here's how I overcame that was um, I just kept going. It's kind of like the same thing when I was a white belt, when I was a, a yellow belt, the solution was to keep going. It was absolutely the same solution as red belt. It was keep going, be around positive people. In this case, you know, as a child, I was around my mother who just constantly had this reaffirming affirmation of keep going. You know, my instructor, to give him credit, he he kind of, you know, he was very old school. Now this is the, before the age of internet and, you know, when you can complain and, you know, all these kind of things, you just kind of kept going. Right. And I remember going up to him one day after class and I said, Hey, you know, what is it that I need to work on? And he was very philosophical, very soft-spoken. And he would just say, you know, I think you just need to spar more. And it was always frustrating because he would always give such a short answer 
But the funny thing was whenever he would give that short answer, it was always the right answer. And that's, that was what I needed to work on with sparring. So instead of giving me this like three minute, five minute, long drawn out answer, this fluffy answer to make us feel good. You asked him a question. He answered it. Now here's the thing. How would you react? Cause most of the time we didn't want to hear it. That was really good coaching, you know? And, and I, I say this because I think the thing that I, I look back on that whole experience of failure, cause it was failure after failure after failure. Coach David, I still remember there was one day um, as a red belt, I would just get kicked against the wall. Now, there was this guy named Rick and I, I strongly doubt he's listened to this, but I, if he, <laughs> I, I appreciate what you did for me. And he would just tell me, Hey, He's like, V, there's a $100 bill on the bottom of my foot. And I'm going to sidekick you. I want you to see it. Now, me, I knew it. He knew it. Everyone knew there was no $100 bill on the bottom of his foot. And, you know, there was these, uh, the wall wasn't like a wall wall. It was like this retractable wall. So you can like bounce into it and make this loud noise. He would just repeatedly kick me into this wall. I mean, it was like, and I just look at my instructor and he just like turn his face. I look over to my mom. She's covering her face. <laughs> and, you know, I say this because I remember there was one day now uh, parents, I'm, I'm going to say something, maybe PG 13 here. So you might want to hit pause or fast forward a minute. So here we go. That's your warning. I remember a uh, true story. I just got PO'd like I was done. I'm like, he's never going to do this to me again. So he kicked me and I bounced off the wall and went bam. And just, you know, I got him right in the nose and there was some, color that came out of that. I thought he was going to kill me. I literally thought I was like, Oh, I'm dead. Here we go. And he took out his mouth guard, took off his head guard. He came over to me and I was shaking. I thought he was just going to really hurt me. Now he said to me, he said, what took you so long? And coach David, that stuck with me because he said, I wasn't trying to bully you. I was trying to make you tougher. And so I say this to everyone because so often we try to pass the test and so often, you know, if you were able to pass the test on your own, why are you even here, right? The real test is going to be something that's going to get you completely out of your comfort zone. It's going to be something that it's way beyond where you want it to be. And I can promise everyone what you think it's going to take it to get it to black belt. It's way beyond that. It's, it's a thousand times tougher, but it's a thousand times better than you would ever imagine as well. That's fantastic. Um, just Parents, just be assured, um, our instructors, Coach V, myself, all the senior instructors, we watch what's going on. So don't think that we're letting every bigger kid whack every little kid a million times until that situation happens. You know, we, we're, we know who's doing what and we know all the kids very well. So none of this should be taken as we're going to let people get killed in an effort to toughen them up. And I don't think anybody should interpret what he said that way. Yeah, and Coach um, David, I should say this. I, I, I'm, you know, this was a long time ago, and karate was very, very different back then. And you know, it was a different era, a different time. Um, we don't let any of that kind of contact go on at all in our school. Um, so I say this because you know I was trained in a much more. Um, I'll leave it at this. It was a different time, and we're very much more of a family organization right now. You know, we're we're. Um, you know, it's tough to get to black belt, but it's the level of contact would certainly not be that. And I, and I think the, um, the thing to take away is sometimes it just takes longer to get to the next level because you just need to develop. You need to mature. You need to have more experience. And so if it takes you, let's say, twice or three times as long to go from brown to brown stripe or brown stripe to red, nothing's wrong. Not everybody goes at the same rate. 
not everybody gets to the next level. We, Coach V and myself and all the instructors, our job is to make you the best martial artist you can be. And you have the potential to get to black belt, but not everybody does get to black belt. Would that be a fair way of saying it? I think that's exactly right. And um, this might be a good way to transition over to your story here to, to before we wrap up for today is, you know, we don't give out eighth place trophies. You know, not everyone's going to get to black belt. And it's not because you can't get to black belt. Everyone can get to black belt. But I just want to kind of set the expectation right is that doing everything that we have posted on the promotion chart, those are all minimums. You know, like, for example, when you get to red belt, to go from red to red stripe, it's not a test. It's an invitation, right? I mean, you got to be invited to get there. This is not a, you know, some schools, and I'm not knocking any schools, but I know, I know there's schools that do group black belt tests. We do individual black belt tests. There's some schools where, you know, from the day you start at white belt, you sign a contract and they tell you your black belt date. That's not us. I'm not that good. Hopefully one day I can get that good. But, you know, we, we promote you when you're ready. When it's time for black belt, you'll know, I'll know, everyone will know because it'll be evident in your fight. The main thing is your sparring. And we've taken about, a, coming up in March, it'll be about a year. It's about a year off from sparring. Now we've, you know, it's good in some ways. The silver lining is we focus a ton on our kata and our technique. So we've really honed in on some areas that maybe didn't get as much attention. But there's no question to me that when things open up, we'll absolutely focus heavily on partner drills, not just sparring, but partner drills, partner work. It's the drilling. It's the, it's the repetition of working with a variety of partners. That's what gets you to black belt. Let me say that again. It's the repetition and the drilling of working with a variety of partners. That's why you go to a group class. It's not to work with the same person over and over. It's to learn how to work with everyone of all bell levels, all you know, heights, shapes, sizes, power, everything. That's what gets you there. It's called experience. And there's no substitute for it. Unfortunately, a year is a long time and we're going to have to do our best when we get back to, you know, attend as many classes as you can, you know, spar as many people as you can. But unfortunately, it's just going to take time. But that's okay because time is our friend. Time makes you better. What you're uh, saying, you don't, oh, you don't look for the, uh, the instructor with the least amount of time in the art, right? You look for the instructors with the most amount of time in the art. You want time. Time is your friend. That's right. Coach David, you want to wrap us up? Do you have any other, uh, anything? Well, I was just going to tell a, a brief uh, little challenge that uh, I certainly had overcome many times throughout my training. And uh, as an adult, hopefully everyone can appreciate this. And that's what happens when you get injured. Um, unfortunately, when you're, you're athletic and you, you like to, to you know, do sports, injuries come with it. I remember my first day in karate. I remember that my instructor came up to me, you know, and I didn't have the same instructor like you, unfortunately. But this guy came up to me and said, just so you know, it's not going to be a question of if you get hurt. It's just a question of when and how often. But you got to imagine as an adult, you're going to get hurt. And you just got to do your best to hopefully minimize it and recover from it. And at the time, I'm like, do you tell this to everybody on the first day? Like, <laughs> what? Um, but he was right. And But my attitude was, whenever I did get injured, it was normal. It wasn't like, oh, my God, I got injured. It's like, yeah, he said I was going to get injured. And, you know, all right, well, that's fine. I'm, it's part of the deal. Um, but my secret was that while I was injured, I still did karate. Now, I couldn't do kicks and punches, like if I, you know, pull the hamstring or whatever. I would come and I would watch. I would take notes. I would ask questions. 
I would do mental practice. I would do everything I could possibly do that wasn't involving my injured part. So I say this to all the adults, and we had a perfect example of this on Monday. We had a student who uh, recently had some issues. Um, doctor told him to take it easy, still showed up, still took notes, still hung out after class you know, with his, with his friends. That is one thing you can do so to assure yourself that you're, you're not going to go down that road where, oh, man, I can't go this week as I'm injured. Oh, well, I didn't go last week. I'm kind of tired. I'll, I'll just go next week. And then before you know it, weeks, months go by and you're done. Please don't do that. Just come, come, watch, talk. It's, it's the best way you can continue because it's going to happen, guaranteed. Hopefully not a lot, but I've yet to know an adult to go through karate training who didn't get some sorts of injuries. How about, how about you? I think that's well said. I mean, I don't think I've ever met anybody, you know, who trained in karate, who didn't have some kind of mild, you know, something. And keep in mind, you know, if you wear all the protective gear, if you do all the stretches and the proper warm up, for the most part, you're going to be pretty good. It's kind of like an insulation, if you will, from, from the bigger injuries. Do things happen? They do. Um, but I think that, be, you know, especially if you have a really solid black belt instructor leading your group, uh, safety is our number one concern, you know, so we want to keep everyone safe. So I think, you know, knock on wood, we've been pretty fortunate that anytime I can, I can remember any kind of injury happening, almost always, it was one of two things. It was because the student didn't do a proper warm up and stretch and do all that. Uh, within that same umbrella, I'm going to say that they already had a pre-existing injury that they didn't tell me about, or they were pushing themselves past a certain limit, right? So that's one, that's one reason. The second reason it was maybe two black belts who kind of let the ego kind of take over and they were going a little bit too hard. Um, so, so I think the takeaway from this is if you want to avoid the injuries, uh, just go above and beyond to, to, to do a proper warm up. listen to your body. The day, one thing I've, I've learned to do this recently is that, you know, when your body's really feeling it, listen to it. It's telling you something, right? Take that time off. And almost always coach David, it's, it's the recovery that people don't do. It, it's not, you know, I saw this thing on, uh, on Instagram earlier was saying a 15% diet, 85%, sorry, 15% workout, 85% diet, you know, for people who are into lifting and doing all that. I think it's similar to karate, maybe 50, 50, maybe, you know, it's the recovery is the point, right? I don't know the exact percentage, but recovery is a huge place. And if, especially if you're over 29, I call it the 29 and over club, yeah. you know, you know who I'm talking to, you know, <laughs> I'm in, I'm in there too. And, you know, oh, if you're yeah. in the 29 and over club, it's sleep, it's ex, it's, it's rest. And it's, it's when something's hurting. It's even if it's mild, take off, you know, not take off, but like, you know, relax. So, Hey guys, we're going to start wrapping up here. Uh, one thing I just want to say to everyone, you know, we're in the start of February, we are thinking summer camps already. So we're preparing, we're busy doing the, 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 the work behind the scenes. So yes, yes, there will be summer camp programming. Notice the way I said that. So uh, it's not necessarily going to be a full-blown summer camp like we're used to. In years past, we had these big summer camps, so there were tons and tons of you know kids and all those good things. There will 100% certain be summer programming. Uh, it's We're expecting to be hybrid again. So starting in March and April, we're going to start doing hybrid programming where there will be outdoor programming starting in March and April, weather permitting, of course, uh, for summertime programming in the months of June, July, and August. Uh, we will also be hybrid, uh, assuming things continue to move in the right direction where, you know, it's safe to do so. Uh, we are anticipating running smaller 
uh, summer programming on site. But again, there's still a lot of variables. I do not know more than everyone else who's listening to this. So we're, you know, we're figuring it out as we go as well, but we're absolutely preparing. So parents, uh, if you're in the DC metro area uh, and you're looking for summer programming, we will have that sent out to you shortly. Uh, so just check the website and pay attention for any, you know, email updates that, that come out. Coach David, do you have anything you want to say as we wrap up here? I just want to say to everybody, please be safe out there. Um, be smart. Don't take chances like wear a mask, you know, socially distance, pay attention to all the things because like Coach V said, we're, we're planning for the great things to come. We want everyone to stay safe and healthy now so that everyone can enjoy when we get there. I'm looking forward to the summer and in the fall and can't wait to get back to Monday night class. I like, that's just such a, this big thing that we're all looking forward to. But in the meantime, let's just stay safe and smart. Coach David, on a funny note, and guys, and guys please take what Coach David said seriously. Uh, on a lighthearted and, and funny note to wrap up, you know, we were talking one day after adult class and, uh, you know, I think everyone decided we're not even going to bother coming in, uh, you know, with a bag full of gear. We're just going to wear all of our sparring gear in the car. <laughs> we're going to step out. Hopefully we make it inside the room. Uh, but there's a high chance the uh, sparring matches will start the second we step out of the car. That's not going to really happen, guys. But, you know, we that's that's how much we love and we miss sparring. Uh, guys, we miss you. We cannot wait to see you. Uh, if you want to connect with us, you can find us on all the social media platforms. Check out the show notes, all the, the contact, you know, ways to reach us is in the show notes. And we will see you next time. Have a great day, everybody. See ya.